Join From Beer to the Bible every week as Irvin Lee and co-host Sarah Oliveira McDonald warn others of the consequences of drug and alcohol addiction by being the voice of faith-based recovery. Every week, Irvin and Sarah help people get access to the treatment and counseling they so desperately need. They explore the depths of addiction and give practical life examples of how to recover and develop a new rhythm of living. The show is gritty, authentic, and simply raw while being rooted in the love, faith, and hope of God. Welcome to From Beer to the Bible. Welcome to From Beer to the Bible. It's Irvin Lee. I'm so excited to be here today. I got a very, very special guest. My boy and my brother Ben got a great story about how we met. So I'm going to jump right into the story. I was um, being mad at God, which plays right into our theme of being mad at God. We're doing a six-week series on it. And that's how I met my good friend, Ben Pertle. Say hi, Ben. Hey, man. Thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to be here and just chat with you because I think we have a pretty cool story. Yeah, yeah. So I was actually at 24-Hour Fitness on the elliptical praying and talking to the Lord and when you get sober you have this period of where you have to change people places and things yeah. i was in that period and i didn't really have any friends so i'm bemoaning to god god i don't have any friends this sober life sucks and i open my eyes and i see ben yeah. <laughs> and ben says to me uh were you praying? Were you praying all that yeah. time? That was the intro, right? Yeah, yeah. And I said, yeah, man, I was praying. And Ben, jump in. Tell the rest yeah. of the story. Well, you know, my side of the story is it had been, <laughs> there had been many times that I was working out. Yeah. Uh, downstairs. Yeah. And at this gym in particular, <laughs> you know, we could, you can, the, the cardio equipment, everything's kind of on a balcony looking out over. And so yeah. I would see you up there. Yeah. Um, and I would see you with your eyes closed, but yeah, most people probably don't know you would do two hours a day. Yeah. And so yeah. I would walk in, you'd be there and I'd walk out and you'd be there. Yeah. And uh, it was a time where I probably wasn't doing a lot of cardio. <laughs> and, um, anyway, I remember seeing you and, and, and being drawn to the fact that I thought you were praying. I didn't know that you were praying. Yeah. And I had come, I had just come out of a season where I was in a predominantly African-American environment where mm -hmm. I was in a black church in Louisiana and I was, and, and, and I grew up in that world. Yeah. And so becoming, be coming here yeah. to probably what would be considered a predominantly white or Caucasian environment. Mm -hmm. I, I was, I, I, I was always drawn to people of color, um, be, because that's how I grew up. So yeah. I remember seeing you and wondering, is that, that might be a, a, a man of color who's praying. I'm like, yeah. I want to know this guy, you know? Yeah. And so I remember walking up there one day and I probably stared at you for a long time before you opened your eyes because yeah. you would always pray with your eyes closed. But yeah, I, I remember that and, and getting on that elliptical next to you. And yeah. I think that that, that motion towards you that day, and then just asking you the question, man, were you praying? It just yeah. opened up months of conversation Yeah, and all of it was on the elliptical. So we got in better shape. That yeah, was cool. yeah. We got in better shape. And I love that because during that time, man, I was, I was trying to stay sober. I had this business I was trying to run and then I was trying to reconnect with God. Mm -hmm. So I just had the burden on my heart. Like, man, while you're on the elliptical, why don't you just talk to God? Yeah. Right. And I would literally with my eyes closed, be on that thing, couple of hours, just talking to God, listening to God. And what I realized was in that moment was really truly that God can answer your your prayers instantly. Yeah. Cause that was one of those times where he said, Oh, let me help my son out. Let me right. help this kid out. Let me give him a friend right now before he loses it. Yeah. So I love that encounter. And then from there, you introduced me to Pastor Philip. Yeah. And then so I want our audience to know God was so good that he brought two pastors in my life, one on my right and one on my left for we were probably together for 18, 24 months yeah. where I would read the Bible at night. I'd pray and I'd bring my questions. Yeah. And, you know, I'd ask y'all and it was it was really and truly I always tell people Ben and Philip at the most pivotal time because it could go either way i'm probably yeah. like a year or so sober not not very long could have went either way 
but you guys were like the steadying forces in my life because I could read that Bible and come back and ask you guys questions. Yeah. I think that's cool. I, I also think that if you look at that sort of progression of, of time, it, there was a definite start point that yeah. moment and there was a definite end point, not to our friendship, but to yeah. that season, mm -hmm. because when COVID hit, they closed the gym. Yeah. yeah. And then we all went, we all went to our place, you know, yeah. and, but I think that that season, that chapter for you, I didn't mm -hmm. know at the time. Yeah. You know, I was just, I was just getting to know you and, yeah. and encouraged by you just as much as you're encouraged by me. But I think that now looking back going, yeah. man, that was a pivotal moment in your life yes. where God, uh, not, he didn't just, he didn't prop you up. He surrounded you with friendship. He did in the gym, in the gym, places, <laughs> where you were hanging out. Isn't it interesting that the place where you were connecting with God mm -hmm. in your discipline and setting an appointment, meeting with him on the elliptical, it doesn't matter. He's not, yeah. you know, it doesn't have to be in a corner of a room or yeah. you're on the elliptical talking to God. And then he sent you two other people, two people that, that instantly loved you. Yeah but that were also just so happened to be yeah. in the right place, kind of like Boaz and Ruth just so happened to be in the same field, you know, yeah. and then it's the, the whole story goes from there. But I think it's really cool, man, how God, you know, at the time I, I didn't know what I was looking for, but I got a great friend out of it. You know, uh, I know it's amazing. It, and to kind of continue along what we were talking about being mad at God, I want you to share a little bit of your testimony, sure. right? And then also talk about a time where you were you were mad at the Lord because the burden on my heart is so many times I would forget to be in relationship with God. Yeah. And I would think these thoughts, I'm disappointed in God, I'm mad yeah. at as if God didn't know. And God didn't smite me out for yeah. complaining about and being mad that I didn't have any friends. He just answered the prayer. He right. said, Let me show you my power. Yeah. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So, um, well, it depends on how far you're back. You want me to go in my testimony, but my story, Hey man, um, make it happen. I think for me, you know, raising a Christian home, yeah. uh, both parents, uh, doing their best. It mm -hmm. wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't the way I'm raising my kids now, yeah. but I'm second generation. My yeah. parents were first generation. And so, um, it was a little more legalistic, a little more, uh, you know, if you do this, then God will do this type yeah. thing. And, 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 you know, it did help me stay out of trouble. Right. But, um, you know, it didn't help, it didn't help all of, all of us stay out of trouble. So there came a, so I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best to pursue God as a child, mm -hmm. uh, based on the information I had. And, but I've always had a soft heart towards the Lord. So he was, yeah. he would speak to me and, and as a child and, and, you know, and I've tried to follow his voice best I knew how, um, and then, you know, I got in, I got, I was an athlete and just yeah. like you and, and, you know, got into that world, which was good for discipline and all those yeah. things. But I get into this, this sort of season in my, in my life where I was in my, in my middle teenage years. Okay. And one of my, my, my sibling gets pregnant in high school Okay. and had a rebellious streak. And, and you know, now looking back, I, I don't. I see it. I was a youth pastor for 20 years. I mean, it, yeah. the, what, the issues in my home were not huge, mm -hmm. but it felt like the world imploded okay. in our house. And because we were, I guess, because we had this sort of legalistic view of God, yeah. then when, then when it didn't work, mm -hmm. my parents, uh, it tore them apart. Like okay. my dad, big, strong guy, my dad yeah. was a dentist and just a very good supporter and a very good, strong guy, you know? Yeah. And I remember many, many times coming into my home and my dad who, he wasn't a crier. He wasn't any of that would just be sitting in a, in a, in his like recliner with tears in his eyes, just defeated. Yeah. And so it really drove me away from home because okay. I hated the feeling of being home. Mm -hmm. My sister, you know, was doing her thing. I hated seeing my parents like that. And so it kind of drove me into the season of where I was sort of a vagabond. Okay. Even as a teenager, my parents let me because I didn't get in trouble. Mm -hmm. So I would stay at this person's house, that person's house. Well, as time went on, uh, you know, my sister had the baby, kept the baby yeah. and the baby was a boy and lived at my parents' house. Okay. And the redemption in it is that now there's this beautiful baby, right? Yeah. It changes things often, right? Yes. To my parents. Mm -hmm. the, the challenge for me in it was that the attention that I longed to get from my father was yeah. going to this child. Yeah. The boy okay. in the house. 
Um, and my dad's motivation was love, but it was also the fact that the father of the child was nowhere to be found. Okay. Right. Yeah. So he was empathetic towards the child and also, um, and also loved the child cause it was his bloodline. But, but he, this, this boy was getting things that I longed for. Okay. Um, and it, and it hurt me. Okay. And so did you talk to God about it and where was yeah, God? In, no, in I didn't realize at the time. Okay. I just thought, wow, I'm really glad that my nephew's getting this love and I was going on with my life. So now I'm going, you know, I'm in my latter, last part of high school, going into college. And I was really, really independent really early. Okay. Which is probably not a great thing. You know, you, mm -hmm. need, you don't, I mean, it's good for work ethic or things like that, but it's, I, I didn't know enough to be on my own. You know? Okay. So anyway, um, I go, you know, I go off to school, play ball, get hurt, surgeries, all that kind of stuff. Yep. end up with no with no no more athletics in my life because of surgeries and, and and pain and and also you know what i realized i realized along the way that really i was playing for two reasons i was playing because i wanted to please my dad yeah and second reason was i loved the camaraderie of the team uh, i just didn't love the sport hmm. so the sport was an was a doorway to to pleasing my dad and and having friends but you really weren't passionate about yeah. it you just found really the fellowship that you were missing at your house and, and oh yeah family I family had, love support you get that in sports absolutely right? yeah and it, it's great sports are great and i think mm -hmm. i think people should do it but um i was in college i had sort of an awakening where i was like i'm playing this for the wrong reasons yeah i don't know that that are those are the wrong reasons i don't know that the camaraderie is the wrong reason i just i just honestly yeah i came to this conclusion that made me angry at my dad okay because now I felt abandoned by my dad to this child. I felt also that my dad was the reason that I was motivated to do something I didn't really want to do, which was my choice. But, you know, in yeah. a young mind, I'm like, uh, I felt sort of like he was responsible for m me having to go through all this stuff, you know. So, yeah, so you were blaming, you were blaming your, your earthly father. Yeah. Now, how was that impacting your relationship? Yeah with your heavenly father you know i think that for me at the time i would have said that it didn't yeah but i think the way that it was impacting me was the lack of intimacy with my earthly father okay. and the lack of of honesty and transparency mm. which those things all go together yeah and the and and the uh, the lack of of sitting down having a conversation saying how i really felt yeah um was 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 sort of uh translating into my relationship with the lord okay so i felt like as long as i was doing what was right mm -hmm. i was pleasing my heavenly father yeah but if i tripped and fell or you know, I mean i'm 19 years old like yeah you're gonna trip and fall oh yeah i mean it would take me weeks to feel like i get back in the presence of god um i felt like he i felt like god loved me but because he had to mm. so this really really um did a number on my identity and my sonship mm-hmm um, so I understood, uh, the grace of God as it pertained to saving me from sin. Okay. And I mean, to the best you can, I mean, you can study that for the rest of your life. Yeah. I, I received, I received that. Yeah. Um, and then there was this part of me that felt like God was a, was an angry father who just couldn't be pleased. Who was, did you feel like he was up there? I always say it this way. God was keeping score and I was keeping score in my head. And when I did well, God loved yeah. me. And then performance, performance based, right? Cause we were both from the South. Yeah. yeah. Athletics. And then I, I kind of grew up in a legalistic church environment. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so I thought that. I needed to perform. When did you realize, man, I, and I'm still, honestly, yeah. I'm still soaking this in, marinating. It is that God is love, right? We say it and I would say it all. Oh, no, God's love. But really, I never really applied that to my life, and I didn't know what that looked like. Yeah. So, um, if you go back a little bit in my story, when my sister got pregnant, my dad didn't didn't know how to deal with it. So what he did was he had my sister's best friend at the time. Mm -hmm. Her her family was building a new home. Okay. Out in the country. Yeah. And my dad decided that he was going to go out there and paint he wasn't a painter but yeah. he offered his services and what he would do is after he would get off work uh -huh. uh, he ran the oral surgery clinic at a hospital and after he'd get off work in the afternoon he would drive out into the country and spend hours painting at this construction 
site and it was a mindless therapy right Mm -hmm. okay so whenever he did that he befriended this guy just Mm -hmm. so happened to befriend this guy kind of like we did yeah uh and the guy who owned the house was my sister's best friend's dad okay well um so the the families became friends our family and this family became friends and the guy and the owner of the home's brother Mm -hmm. began to build another house on the property okay and and so our families became friends with them as well close friends and so these people were going to a different church than my parents so my parents started going to this church and i'm going I'm, i'm going towards where did i realize love god loved me um all along the way i did realize that but when I, when it kind of changed my perspective, I'll tell you. So, um, so my family became close to these families. Well, I'm at school now. Yeah. And, um, and so I went through about a four year relationship with a girl at, at LSU where I went to school and she was great, nothing wrong, but you know, I was, I was, I was set on marrying this girl and, um, saving for a ring and working yeah. an extra job and all that stuff. And I came home one summer or the last, the last summer, and I went up to my high school and just started hitting baseballs with my old yeah. high school coach. Um, just working out and enjoying time, enjoying playing ball. Just, I wasn't playing anymore, but you know, mm-hmm. and he was a, he was a guy who was a spiritual influence in my life. And he, he pulled me to the side afterwards and he said, can I, can I share something with you? That's kind of disturbing me. And I was wow. like, yes. And he asked me four times for permission. Okay. So at this time I'm intrigued. Right. You know, some heavies coming. Yeah. And he's also really honest with me, this guy. So, um, he said, he said, you know, there's some, there's some red flags in this relationship Mm -hmm. and and there's some reasons I think you should strongly consider not going any further down the road. Yeah. So, which was painful because I really liked this girl. Yeah. And when he gave me the reasons, they were reasons that were, um, probably obvious to him that I was blind to and nothing, nothing like nothing like moral or anything yeah. it was just like um a guy who was being honest with me yeah four or five things that made sense to him that i was i was blind spots for me so when he told me this it hurt me but i took it and processed it and over a season of time i processed it long enough to for us to go our separate ways yeah now i'm devastated yeah okay so watch this so now i go i'm i'm graduated i'm in the pharmaceutical industry at this point okay i'm i'm, I'm you know, selling legal drugs, yeah, legal, legal, <laughs> yeah, and illegal, illegal, and kind of just living my life. Yeah. And a buddy of mine asked me to play music in his band to play the drums. Okay, and so I start playing the drums in his band, and his sister is singing in the band. And these are the children of the house next door to the house where my dad was painting. Yeah, who we're family friends with. Okay, and one day I'm playing the drums, and I'm looking at this girl. And I'm like, I've never met anybody like this. Uh, the purest, most pure, just happiest, full of life, lover of God that I'd ever met. Yeah. And my heart was drawn to her. Well, that's my wife. Yeah. Right? Okay. So I tell you that story because, because um, my sister's pain, my sister's mistakes mm-hmm. led my father to be in pain. My father's pain di- brought a division between mine and his relationship. Mm-hmm. But in his cry for help he goes to do some sort of therapy painting was his therapy and he makes a friend and that friend's brother builds a house so my father's connected to him and in 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 desperation goes to their church and our families begin to hang out i'm not even there and then a guy speaks truth and love to me who was my father figure at the time this guy was it wasn't my dad but he was the closest thing i had other than my dad speaks truth and love to me and redirects my life and a year or so later I am awakened to the fact that this person is my spouse. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So all this pain and all this, all this, all this sort of, uh, this wake of, of mm-hmm. what you could think would be destruction yeah. actually was surfable. <laughs> yeah. You know, like this wave was actually yeah. something that, that, um, provoked me towards my destiny. Wow. So it was in that moment when I recognized that some of the things that I was mad at God, I was mad at God. I wasn't, I was mad at my dad, but my dad is a man who's fallible. Yes. And in my mind, I was like, how could all this happen? My -hmm. grandfather dies in the middle of all this. Uh, I bust my knee out in the middle of all this. I transferred schools. I lost my girlfriend. 
I'm, you know, I'm now I'm a normal dude with a normal job and I always thought I was going to be some kind of like, you know, yeah. whatever. And, and, um, so I'm, I'm mad. I'm frustrated. Yeah. I'm disappointed yeah, in the middle that. of all that. Mm -hmm. The story line intersects me with this, with my soulmate. Right. And I'm like, you're, you're good. God, yeah. Yeah. I'm mad at you and you're leading me to destiny. Yeah. Those, those seasons where we have those trials, tribulations, and it feels like dry and in the wilderness, Ooh. man, what, what I realized is God is doing so much work internally yeah. in me. And the hardest thing that I have found and the most challenging thing, and I want you to talk about it is we say it all the time. We walk by faith and not by sight. Right. That's what you were doing in that season, yeah. right? And there are times I, I've come to realize that I may have my disappointment in, my, in God. I may be disappointed in myself, but I got to have the faith to, to keep going because yeah. he promises, like in Romans 8, 28, that he's going to work it all right. together for good. So talk about that and how do you walk yeah. out those seasons? Well, yes, there's a, there's a scripture that says of, of a man's folly leads him or a fool a man's foolishness leads him to destruction yeah and then his heart turns and blames it on god mm, that's good and man that's really what's happening for most people i mean you, yeah. you folly doesn't make somebody's some a loved one die or a wife cheat or anything yeah. like that but sin does and yeah. sin is the fall of man so we're inherently sinful people right mm -hmm. but i think that that the enemy's play is to is to take the solution and make it the problem. So, so if he can if he can make you mad at God, then he's made you mad at the solution. Yeah. Right. So I think for me there was a season in my life where I had I had worked at a place and really gave it my all yeah. and sort of hit a ceiling, a glass or ceiling, and 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 then I felt like the Lord said to me, "I'm about to launch you into your destiny." Yeah. And. And there was a very specific time where I thought that was going to happen. Yeah. And it didn't happen. Yeah. And for one year, I basically felt like I was in total darkness. Yeah. And one day I was writing in my journal, mm -hmm. angry. Mm. Because I was like, you said. Yeah. I know you said this. And I was writing. And, you know, do you ever just have something come out of you that you know didn't come from you? Yes. And you go back I and read and you're like, oh, that was not me. Yeah. And it said... The doorway to your destiny will always be found in a dark room of discomfort when you're found faithful. Wow. And That's I had this image of me in this really dark place and there was a door and under the door there was light, mm. but the door was locked. And it was a really big room, like a warehouse. And under okay. the door there was light and that light represented hope because on the other side of the door there was light. Yeah. But not on my side. Yeah. And I heard a voice come over a loudspeaker and say, there's a key on the floor. Mm -hmm. Now this is a big place and it's dark and now I have a decision to make. Yeah, I can get on all fours and I can grid that thing out and yeah. I'm going to find the key if the voice is, if the voice is trustworthy. Yeah. And, and, but if I don't, I'm going to sit in there in that darkness. And so in my, in my vision or whatever you call it, I, I crawled the floor, found the key. Yeah. When I found the key, it unlocked the door. And when I unlocked the door, I walked into this next room and I looked and the key was actually an instrument, a tool that was necessary for the, my, the next step of my life. Yeah. So I say that to say the Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, but not yet seen. Yeah. So on the other side of that door, there was hope that my hope was, is that yes, there is a key in here. And then my faith was my response to my belief. Yeah. And so my faith was to get on my knees and crawl. Right. Yeah. So I think for me, um, there's been a lot of seasons in my life that felt like darkness and pain yeah. and discomfort. Yeah. And I don't put my faith in myself. Because I can say, well, I just got to pull myself up by the bootstraps right. and get in the word and all these things, and 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 I'm not like I'm not like that. Yeah. And so, but if my faith is in God, mm -hmm. then that scripture that you reference, I have to believe that He's going to work all things together for my good because I love Him. Yeah. Well, Jesus said, if you love me, you obey my commandments. Yeah. So that's the faith piece, mm -hmm. right? So I don't see it yet. Yeah. But I'm going to believe it like I see it, mm -hmm. and then I'm going to walk it out like I see it, and 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 then the scripture in Psalm 63 says that that my soul longs for you, my body, my body thirsts for you yeah. like a dry and deserted land, a weary land, right? Where there is no water. Yeah. It says, but I've seen you in the sanctuary. Mm -hmm. I've seen your glory. And because your loving kindness or your love is better than life, my lips will praise you. Yeah. And if you really think about that, 
if you just take that whole scripture, you imagine a person going through a really horrible season mm -hmm. where they can't even find anything to quench their soul. There's no nothing fulfilling. Yeah, nothing they're, else They works. feel like they're at death's door. Yeah. And then the, the response is, your love is better than my life. Mm. He didn't say because your love is better than everybody living. He says, because your love is better than life, my lips will praise you. Meaning, man, even if this, even if, even if I die in this season, you're yeah. still good. You st guys still good. Yeah. And I think you find him good when you come to the realization that nothing else truly matters and will quench that thirst. No. But the Lord God, right? Right. The thing I, I notice, you know, we work with people who are suffering from all right. types of addictions, right. primarily drug and alcohol and porn. What I see the enemy doing is two things. He steals the hope, mm -hmm. right? He steals that hope you talked about. Because if I, if he takes your hope, man. Yeah. Hope ooh, deferred makes the heart sick. Ooh, you get, yeah. yes. And so I was yeah. like, when he took my hope, and then he couples that with, you're in this situation. If your God was so good, why would he, yeah. why would he do it? Address that and talk to our, our viewers and listeners about how to handle that situation. I think I think that the perfect place to take rage and doubt and fear and anxiety and pain, disappointment is into the presence of God. Mm. He already knows it's there. Yeah. I think it's appropriate. If you're mad at God, then go ahead on and tell him. Get in his presence and have it out with him. Yeah. Because he's a big boy. Yep. And also, he's your father. Yeah. And if you think like that, mm -hmm. okay, you're dealing you're dealing with addicts. Yeah. The 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 first step to help is to know that you need help. Yes. Right? Which is honest transparency. Mm -hmm. I am I am out of control. Yep. Something's Surrender. controlling me. Yep. Right? So any therapy, any counseling, anybody that what you do in counseling and therapy and going through addictive recovery and all this stuff is you get really honest yeah. and it's ugly. It's it ugly, is. but honesty is the gateway to freedom mm -hmm. because there's your heart wants to chamber up all kinds of little offenses and little bitterness and all these things. And, and it stews in there and turns into hate. <laughs> it does. Right. Yeah. And, but, but the light of God, when it shines on anything, it drives out, it drives out the, the um the ulterior motive of that emotion that's a real emotion yeah so if you're angry then that's a real emotion mm -hmm. well and god made emotion he did so i think if you look at the psalmist and you look at job and you look at these people in the bible and they're like where are you god you yeah. told me this and here i am and blah. and at the end of every one of those psalms those those um uh, Psalms that that are where people are kind of honest yeah, with God. Yeah, they're lamenting. And they honest. end with praise. Yeah, they do. You still because, give them the praise. Why? Because in His presence is the fullness of joy. Yeah. So what if you take your anger into His presence? You're probably going to leave with joy. Yeah. Because His because He's love, because He's yeah. joy, because He's peace. Yeah. But the enemy of mm -hmm. our soul mm -hmm. is is a uh, it, the Bible says he's a liar, and everything that comes out of his mouth is a lie. Yeah. But he does. He's not an he's not an obvious liar. No. He's a, he's a con man. Yes. So what he'll do, what he does is he promises you life on a, on a path that leads to a cliff of death, right? Yeah, yeah. And he's like, "Come on this way, it's the wide road yeah. that leads to destruction." And so what what he's doing is he's saying, "You could never say that to somebody. They're going to you're you're be full of shame. You can't yeah. tell people that." Yeah. And so he loves secretive behavior. He loves he loves secret anger cuz yeah. you can go on, you can be angry with God and pretend like you're not. Yeah. Right? But the the Lord is like he was the light that came and dwelt among men and the men didn't like him because yeah. the light shines in the darkness. The darkness hates it. Yeah. But man, if there's darkness in our heart, mm -hmm. the only thing that can expose it is the light. And what we really want, what we really want yeah. is an open relationship with God and freedom to walk with him. And you can't have it if you don't face the anger. Yeah. And, and you transparency Whew. is a thing that I see that is missing in our lives and even with men in, for sure especially with me yeah. i'm with men every day and me the guy sitting in the seat i had to learn i had to make a decision to say hey this is this is all of me yeah. you know one of the, I, when i got out of treatment 
I was trying to process, do I tell people that I went to treatment and that I was an alcoholic or do I just show up different and keep it to myself? Yeah. And I said, there's no glory in God for that because I only recovered through Christ Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit partnering. Yeah, I did mm. lots of work and did everything they told me, but I know that it was the power mm. of God. You're looking at a guy who I was like, I can't stay sober for seven seconds. Yeah. And you know, I, now I have over seven years of wow. sobriety. But transparency was one of the things I was learning with you and, and Pastor Philip. I remember, you may not remember this, but uh, the first time my wife Lorraine went out of town. Yes. I mean, and I was going to be alone. And I'm like, I haven't been alone for a week by myself <laughs> sober. If you remember, yeah, I, I was transparent with you yeah, guys. You were. I said, hey, Lorraine's going out of town. Text Pray me. for me. Yeah. Hey, check in on me. I remember that. And do you know I had peace that whole first week? And I often wonder, I'm like, what if I would have kept that to myself, not been transparent? And I was transparent with God. Like, God, this is the first time my wife is gone. I believe I'm good. I'm going to take it one day at a time. Mm -hmm. But cover me, protect me. Yeah. And then I knew having you guys on standby, yeah. if anything starts, I got antsy yeah. or or just felt like I needed somebody. So I want you to talk about the importance of having men having other men in their lives that they can be transparent yes. with and that will hold them accountable. Well, yeah. Well, there's a scripture that says if two walk together, right? Yeah. It's better if two walk together because if one of them falls, the other one can pick them yeah. up. And then it says a cord of three strands cannot yeah. easily be broken. But I think that, um, you know, men are, men are a fascinating, uh, <laughs> in a, you know, intellectually and we're all different but there's a lot of things you know you watch any comedy specials yeah. there's a lot of basic stereotypes of men and they're all it's always you know less and less these days but mostly like the, our father's generation they won't they won't tell you how they feel they don't you know yeah strong men keep their mouth shut and um i think that so so i was going through a season in my life and i and i just could not get over something okay and i finally called my friend aaron and I said, I said, can you have coffee with me? And I just went and spilled it all to him. Yeah. And he was like, well, let's pray. I'm gonna, and he texted me a few times after. And, but it wasn't even his response. It was my release. Yeah. Yeah. And I had somebody to listen. Yeah. And, and, and so, and then, so a couple of years ago, I had an identity crisis. Mm -hmm. um, I'm 47. So I'm probably okay. 43, 40, 44 at the time. And I had changed roles and, um, I had gotten really good at one role and but I, my season was kind of up i could tell and i changed roles and and uh i just decided i really need to do some some soul work yeah and i went through a season man it was months and months and months where it was almost daily counseling yeah but it allowed me the opportunity to have a uh an ear someone yeah. to listen and i remember i got it was months and mm -hmm. i remember getting to a point one day where i was like I don't have anything else to tell you. Yeah. I can't think of one other, th one thing to tell you mm -hmm. ugly about myself. Yeah. True about myself. Yeah. Embarrassing about myself that I haven't told you. And this person looked at me and said, that's rock bottom. That's rock bottom. That's it. And I said, and rock bottom has a negative connotation. Yeah. And I remember thinking I hit rock bottom. And, and this person said to me, that's actually called a foundation. Yeah. Now let's build. Yeah. And so to answer your question, if you want to build your life and mm -hmm. you want to and you want to build it on the rock first of all of christ uh and the truth of christ well you're gonna to have to be honest with somebody yeah you're gonna to have to tell somebody right and the, the crazy thing that we forget is is the person that's listened to you has a whole laundry list themselves <laughs> and 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 they're probably relieved to go somebody else has the issue yeah right? i think you have to have a trustworthy person because you don't want somebody air in your laundry right no but you 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 prayed for two friends you mm -hmm. prayed for a friend yeah and god sent you two he did he doubled okay. me and now he sent you thousands <laughs> but i would suggest anybody listening that that's going i, I don't have anybody to be transparent with to yeah. just pray for one he may send you five yeah and you may look up and it's a it's a fishing group or a hunting group or a, a workout group or elliptical yeah or or a whatever yeah or it doesn't a, a car you know you may like cars whatever and you look up and now you got this guy maybe an older guy younger guy in your life that are like yeah, man, us too. Let's walk this out together. Yeah. 
I love it. I love transparency. I love vulnerability and honesty because it's, 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 it's real and authentic and everybody really at their core wants to be the real version of themselves. They just don't know if they can, they can expose who they really are because they're afraid. They're afraid and, and shame plays into that. Our enemy uses shame. Oh, yeah. I, when I sat down with my counselor in treatment and they make you write out all the things, mm. all your sins and bad behaviors. I felt terrible and great, probably. Oh, I felt terrible. And God has a sense of humor. I, you cannot convince me otherwise. Uh, all the bad things and the way I treated women, guess who was my counselor? That I had to tell all a my woman. sin to? A woman. Yeah. And I'm sitting there and I'm sizing her up. I'm like, how am I going to say the sexual stuff? Yeah. And she says, baby. I've heard it all. <laughs> I've heard it all. She yeah. says, I've been doing this for 30 plus years. There's nothing you're going to say that's going to knock me out of my chair. And I told her, I said, I'm going to need the box of Kleenex. And I unloaded on her. It's amazing. Oh, the freedom that came from that. Man, there was so much stuff that I had. I had kept in my closet, yeah. anger, resentment, sin, shame. And what I try to do now is unpack it all the time because yeah. stuff we're accumulating stuff, whether we know it and acknowledge or not. So I try to keep men like yourself uh, and other men. So when these things are happening to me or I feel them happening, I can unload and unpack them and keep my closet as clean as possible. Mm -hmm with men and especially men that look like me men of color mm -hmm. let's talk about there's the stigma around we we are mad at god we've got these issues we're dogged by this kind of legalism that is happening but then also in the black culture uh, treatment seeking mm -hmm. treatment and counseling is not as prevalent yeah so i want you to talk about that and we want to encourage you know our black and brown listeners Hey, I pray, I trust God, but God had a process and a treatment plan yeah. that I needed to submit myself to, to get sober. Right. You know, I don't know, I can't speak with experience as a, as a person of color, but I can speak as a man. Yeah. Um, and, and the wiring is the same in a man, the cult, the culture is different and, and, and really the, 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 the current culture is very uh there's a lot of absence of real manhood yeah. in, the, in the in the inner city culture or yeah. in the in in certain different demographics and you know that breaks my heart because then then you get all kind of identity issues yeah um so i think that probably lends it lends itself into maybe a culture that's that's uh has a deficiency as it pertains to how to be a man uh, a, a man a a real version of a man or yeah. whatever because that even is debatable what is a real version of man yeah. i think that a person's identity should be child of god mm -hmm. i agree because i mean even if i'm a great whatever or i have a, I'm a father and i have a wife and a kids and i have a great job and i have money or whatever none of, that's all what i do that's all it's who i am is simply a human being who's a child of god yeah right so born of the spirit mm -hmm. or not mm -hmm. so uh, I think for any man of any color, um, the, the, the challenge and the, and the, the, the path to discovering who you are and why you're what, why you are and all that is yeah. it's not internal. Like they always say, I'm going to find myself within. Oh, I think you can only find yourself in the one who created you in his image. Yeah. So, um, I think that as far as addictive recovery and all those uh you know seek help for sure yeah uh, here's something i'm gonna this is what i feel in my spirit Brilliant. is for a long time i i was i wasn't in good shape mm -hmm. and then i worked really hard to get into good shape cardiovascular shape yeah uh, and one day i looked at myself in the mirror and i was like i have a problem i care too much about what people think about the way i look Mm. And I heard, I heard something inside of me say, nobody's looking at you. Nobody cares how you look. And it was That's almost good. like freedom. Yeah. You got free because I was like, why am I, why am I doing all this? Yeah. Because I, th I, I wouldn't even like take off my shirt to go in the pool with my kids in the backyard, my pool in your own pool. And I wasn't even that uh, out of shape. Yeah. 
but I had issues. So mm-hmm. I, had, I talked about that in counseling. Well, mm-hmm. how, so what I'm saying is, is the lie that we believe is that the issue in our life is a bigger deal than it really is to everybody else. Yeah. What it really is, is a, it's, it's, it's a secret that we're hiding that now the, the enemy has stacked up a ton of, uh, preliminary shame yeah and said if you say this if you expose this all of this is raining down on you yeah and the truth is not that many people are paying attention to you man listen i had it it's interesting i had that same revelation around something and we lock our identity up i know i did i'll tell my identity story being an entrepreneur and having the man i got my identity so wrapped up in all that stuff and i remember when god was calling me into the ministry and i kept trying to hold on to that season of being an entrepreneur and that business was over man and i could not unwind my identity and it took man it was so hard it was painful there were consequences Mm -hmm. and i look back on it now and i said why did i wrap my my identity up in anything other than christ but our enemy is really really good at deceiving you that was just my vocation that wasn't my calling right it was i'm i'm walking and functioning now in my calling my wife asked me the other day what do you miss about that business i said nothing yeah the sleepless nights yeah yeah. nothing I, i i can honestly say that I don't miss anything about that. And now I know I love what I do. And it's not without yeah. challenges and things. And I ha- I still have my moments where I have to go to Christ and say, hey, I'm a little disappointed. Yeah. I'm a little angry. But I'm free to do that because there's a, a certain amount of freedom that comes from having courageous conversations with yeah, God around how I feel. Uh, as we come to an end, I want you to talk a little bit about your wife and family and what you do now and any other burdens that the Lord has put on your heart, because you know, I'm, I I am a Ben Pearl fan and it's not just because he's my friend. I'm really big on you allow a person to prove who they are. Mm -hmm. I don't care what other people say about a person. I'm going to let you prove who you are. But I've also had that expectation of people allowing me to prove who I am. Mm-hmm. And one of the things you did was you allowed me to prove who I was over time. And you never judged me, yeah. right? You never, I never felt like, ah, oh, is he holding because I was an alcoholic mm. against me, right? You just, you just had all what I call you so much empathy. <laughs> And then you educated me, right? You yeah. weren't hitting me with, hey, man, are you saved? You know Christ. Mm-hmm. It was like, let me love on this brother. So I would say to all pastors and all men, when you fellowship with a person, don't judge and show them empathy before you sure. start to bring all the education yeah. about who Christ is. He'll give you that opportunity if you love on him and give him empathy first. Yeah, I think for me, I... I I I will answer those questions. I think for me, I have a constant internal dialogue that's very aware of my own fallacy. Mm -hmm. And Mm, it just doesn't allow me to drag other people through some sort of judgment. I I, I think it actually might be a gift because because I um, I don't really struggle with being a judgmental person. and but it's not because i'm a great person it's because i'm not a great person (laughs) you know and i'm aware of that so so i think that's been a uh, i have a have the gift of awareness of my Mm -hmm. in of the uh lack of of ability to do any good on my own yeah um i have a lot of ability to do really bad on my own hey but by the grace of god you know i'm i'm being i'm being surrounded with favor like a shield yeah um so i have four kids Okay. I have uh, an 18-year-old, yeah. a 16-year-old, a 14-year-old, <laughs> and a 12-year-old. Yeah, you have a beautiful family, brother. Two boys, two girls. They're amazing. Um, my first daughter is named after that man yeah. who was honest with me about yeah. leaving that girl and, and because I would have never had her without him. So she's named after him. My second, my firstborn son, is named after Aaron Watson, the guy that I told you about a minute ago. Yeah. His name is Watson. Uh, the first daughter's name is Copeland. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
my next son's name is Grisham, who is a named after a family that was really uh, important in Cal my wife Callie's right. upbringing. And then Callaway, my fourth, she was a twin. Yeah. And in utero, we lost one. Callie had a miscarriage. Okay. Uh, she was actually singing on the worship platform and oh, wow. buckled over and had to run off the platform. And we had a miscarriage. And then the doctor said there was a less than 50% chance that our remaining child would survive. Okay. And, um, but we had five or six, uh, what, random, if you will, encounters with people who came up and said, I was praying for you. And I feel like the Lord said that okay. your, your child will live and your child will be full of joy and full of life. And, um, and those five different encounters all agreed with one another and none of them knew each other. Okay. And so we named her Callaway because we, we sat down and said, who's the happiest person we know mm -hmm. full of joy. And it's a woman named Edith Callaway. And so, okay. That's my four kids are amazing. And here's something I'll tell you that I'll tell you about my wife, but yeah. Um, I tell my kids, so I'm a father. So yeah. I tell my kids, if, if you have a failure of any kind, yeah. if you have an issue where you feel like you've done something wrong or where you've fallen or where, cause they're kids, man, they're yeah. going to where you tripped, where you had a thought, anything. I said, I am your guy. Yeah. I said, I've done it all guys. So I'm super transparent with my Transparency. Kids. And Keep. I said, I said, be let run to me. I said, I will help you. But if you don't tell me, I will not be able to help you. Yeah. Because I'm your biggest advocate. I said, my job from the Lord is to help you walk in your calling. Yeah. I said, so if you come to me with the issue, we're going to figure this out together. Lo and behold, they do. Yeah. Um, they've come to me with some crazy stuff. Yeah. But a couple of weeks ago, one of my sons came to me and he said, I'm struggling with something. Yeah. It's something that people would be embarrassed to talk about Okay. in a normal world. Yeah. I'm the first person he came to. Man. And you know, my response was, oh, buddy, I'm going to help you. I've actually dealt with that. Right. Right. So I, I, I disarmed his shame by saying, you're just like your dad, a sinner. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to get through this together. And here's how I got through it. And, and now we have weekly check-ins. He's doing great. It wasn't mm -hmm. anything like, yeah. you have to let your mind run, but for a little, for a young guy, who's a, a good guy, you know, I mean, he's struggling. Well, I think about God and I'm like, why would I not run to him first? Man. I, I'm a, I'm a man with a limited uh, awareness of what was going on in all in the world. And God's infinitely aware of everything and in control. Yeah. I'm like, wouldn't that be the best place to run? That is. Even if I'm mad at him? Yeah. Because I think I think in his presence is where I should bring all my emotions. Yeah. He made me mind, will, and emo mind, body, spirit, you know. And so, and, and, and so I'm going to bring it all to him. So Cal, that's that's just made me think about that. But Man, that's a good Callie, word. Callie is, I'm not convinced she's, she's real. Mm. She's. I agree. She's awesome. the happiest person in the whole world. She is a ray and of she light. She wakes up that way and goes to bed that way. And I've given her 20 years worth of reasons not to. <laughs> Hi, but, Callie. You yes, are Callie. by far the happiest, yeah. joyful person yeah. that I've ever met. And she's the Powerful. same. Every day. Consistent, right? It is not a fake. Uh, no. no, this is real yeah. joy. Yes. And so we do we do marriage conferences and things like that. And, yeah. and people ask me, and I'm like, listen, guys. Yeah. I'm telling you what I've heard. Yeah. Cause I don't, I haven't been through a whole lot because I'm married to the best person in the world. Um, so we, we've been married 20 years. She's a pastor at gateway. I'm a pastor yeah. at gateway. I oversee all the online ministries. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, which is, which is a new frontier for me. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out how to reach the, you know, we have hundreds of thousands of people that tune in to, to watch church, but we're trying to make them a part of the church Amen. and to connect with them and get them in the life flow of the church, no matter where they live. Yeah. And now we have groups meeting all over the world. We had a phone call today with Germany and Scotland and yeah. South Africa. And it's great. Uh, I get to do all that. And it's really, it's really interesting. And it's a huge challenge because yeah. I'm a people person. Yeah. But and you like to challenges too. Yeah. I like face to face. So I'm learning face to yeah. FaceTime. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and then Callie, she pastors a lot internally and externally, and we get to do a lot of fun, cool things, but we have had a, a lot of pain, a lot of pain. Yeah. Yep. And the one constant is, is that God has never left or forsaken us. And I've learned to run to him with my pain Yeah. and not to, not to kill myself over stupid things, man. I'm a human being with, I'm gonna make mistakes, you know? Yeah. 
Uh, last thing I'll say, I guess, if you unless you want to keep going, is uh, there's a pastor named Tommy Briggs. Yeah. He's in his 80s. Man, he's awesome, mm. man, a guy. And he counsels pastors. Yeah. And one day I was just like, I want to be a better dad. This is years ago. And I went to Pastor Tommy and he said, he said, I said, man, how'd you raise your kids? Yeah. How'd you do this? And he, and he broke off in this story that didn't have anything to do. I mean, really, it didn't seem like it. He said, he told me the story. He's like, one time I was in the living room. This is the best I recollect. It was years ago. Yeah. One time I was in the living room and I'd kind of lost it on them and I was angry and walked out. And he said, the Holy Spirit said to me, you go in there and apologize to those kids. Tell me your story. Yeah. And he had said, I'd never, I had never done that because I'm the dad, you know? Yeah. And he said, I walked back in that room and I got on my knees in front of my kids and I said, guys, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't act like that. Who makes me, stirs me up. Yeah, but, but, man, I'm but he over said, here fighting back tears. He said, do you know that from that day on, I had a, I had a, I had a higher level of respect for my kids and a, and greater access to their heart because I was real with them. And so that's kind of how I operate as a father is super transparent. Yeah. I tell them when I'm sad. I tell them when I'm tired. I tell them when I'm hurting. I tell them when I'm excited. We do really fun things. We do hard things. Uh, and then, and then that's kind of how I relate to God now. So yeah. now that I know I'm just a son, yeah. I come to him as a son and I come to him with my limited knowledge and say, even in a dry and weary land where there's no water, your love is better than life. So my lips will praise you. And that's faith. That's faith. That's believing in the things hoped for that I haven't seen. And I'm going to walk by faith and not by sight. Man, that is so good. You know, I love you. I love you. You and Philip count me amongst the lives that the Lord use you guys to keep on track, yeah, man. to put them on track, to fellowship with, and to show, hey, this is what being a man of God looks like. Yeah. This is what trusting God looks like. This is how you walk in your calling. Mm -hmm. This is how you function. And this is how you relate to the Lord. I learned all of mm. that from you and Philip in that time together. So never forget that. We family forever. You can't get rid of me. I'm not trying. And as we end at From Beer to the Bible, you can support us at FromBeerToTheBible.com. We would love your support. Please like, share, and comment. And I want to leave you with this. My grandmother never said bye to me. She always said this, Ben. She said, keep the faith. Mm. Hold on to your faith. Baby, hold on to your faith. So I ask each and every one of you, even if you're mad at God, mm. hold on to your faith and keep your faith in Christ Jesus. God richly bless you all. Thank you for tuning in to this week's From Beer to the Bible. Make sure to tune in next week when Irvin and Sarah gift you with even more addiction recovery information. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And remember, we're always there for you.